Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative BioLevs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Good evening, dear followers. I'm your host, Connie. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is the wonderful Dr. Benjamin Smith. Benjamin, we appreciate your presence here. Pleasure to meet you, Connie. Thank you for the kind invitation. Well, as discussed in previous episodes, epithelial skin stem cells are believed to inhabit a specialized region of the hair follicle known as the bulge. These bulge cells have the capacity to differentiate into various cell lineages, especially under stressful conditions. They contribute not only to hair follicle regeneration but also to sebaceous glands and the epidermis. In the context of adult skin, stem cells are characterized as slow-cycling entities that retain the DNA label of bromodeoxyuridine for an extended period. Despite significant research efforts, specific unique biochemical markers for stem cells remain elusive. This poses a significant challenge in advancing the field of stem cell research. This raises the intriguing notion that stem cells might not possess distinctive attributes themselves. Instead, their behavior could be dictated by their niche. So, Benjamin, could you share with us the initial candidate considered as a marker for bulge cells? I believe the initial candidates were certain mRNAs that exhibited upregulation in bulge cells. The transcriptional profiles of infrequently cycling bulge cells were compared to their progeny in the epidermal basal layer and hair follicle outer root sheaths. After assessing a third of the mouse genome, it was found that 154 mRNAs were upregulated by more than twofold in bulge label-retaining cells. Admittedly, conducting a thorough analysis of all these factors will require time. Nonetheless, many proteins encoded by these mRNAs are indeed expressed within the bulge, as shown in immunofluorescence experiments. However, they may not be exclusively indicative of the brightest label-retaining cells within the bulge. Furthermore, some of these mRNAs are not exclusive to the bulge, their expression can be observed in other skin cell types. Consequently, it's important to recognize that while some seem specific to the bulge, only a few stand out as better markers for the bulge compared to previously identified factors. Integrins are well-known markers commonly associated with stem cell function. Could you elaborate further on this topic? Certainly. I'd like to emphasize the significance of beta-1 and alpha-6 integrins. These integrins exhibit heightened expression in keratinocytes within cultures characterized by high proliferative capacity. Notably, they also appear to be more prominent in the bulge region when compared to the upper and lower parts of the antigen phase follicle. Interestingly, both beta-1 and alpha-6 integrin mRNAs are included among the 200 mRNAs identified in three distinct stem cell populations. This suggests that the correlation between integrin levels and stemness might extend beyond skin stem cells. So, why is the link between integrin levels and stem cells of importance? This connection implies that stem cells could be maintained within a niche through adherence to one another and the basement membrane. 
Diminishing integrin levels could result in reduced cell substratum anchorage, facilitating the migration of stem cell progeny along the basement membrane surrounding the epidermis and its appendages. However, an alternative perspective is also worth considering. Given that cell proliferation relies on integrins, cells with heightened proliferative capacity might inherently exhibit elevated integrin levels. Clarifying the specific implications of integrin regulation in the bulge is crucial. How much of it pertains to hair growth mechanisms versus intrinsic stem cell properties remains an important, albeit unresolved, matter. Intriguingly, as the bulge and outer root sheath cells migrate downward to form new hair follicles, integrin beta-6, associated with cell migration, is upregulated in the outer root sheath. This raises an additional perspective. Your insights are indeed enlightening. What aspects concerning integrins are yet to be conclusively addressed? For instance, the cellular mechanisms that govern differences in integrin levels remain unclear. Moreover, while alterations in integrin levels in transit-amplifying cells enable their departure from the niche and migration, it's uncertain whether specific cues from stem cells prompt this behavior. Meanwhile, the substantial role of integrins in skin biology is recognized, yet the broader involvement of stem cells in regulating epidermal adhesion, growth, and differentiation has not been extensively considered. I understand. Apart from integrins, I believe there are other differentially expressed proteins in the bulge. Could you introduce a few representative examples? Of course. Some of these proteins include keratins K15 and K19, P63, CD34, and S100 proteins. Among these, CD34 and certain S100 proteins show increased mRNA expression levels in the bulge. Notably, P63, a homologue of P53, is also of significance in stem cell function. This is evident from P63 null mice displaying impaired epidermal proliferation. Thus, P63 might participate in suppressing epidermal growth factor receptors and other cell cycle-regulated genes. Interestingly, a naturally occurring dominant negative isoform of P63 is found in stratified epithelial cells. In this context, it appears to promote cell cycle withdrawal and commitment to terminal differentiation. That's intriguing. Now, CMIC stands as a well-established regulator of stem cell function. What can we glean from its role? Transgenic mice with elevated CMIC levels in stem cells and transit-amplifying cells from the basal layer and outer root sheath exhibit hyperproliferation of the epidermis, impaired wound healing, and hair loss. The microarray profiles of label-retaining cells in the bulge introduce new candidate genes that might oversee the transition between infrequently cycling skin stem cells and their transit-amplified descendants. These candidates will be subject to systematic testing, and it's plausible that insights into stem cell activation might emerge in the future. I have a question. What factors determine whether stem cells differentiate into hair follicles or cuticles? Your question is astute and indeed one of the most captivating queries in the realm of skin stem cell research. As investigations deepen, some clues are starting to emerge. 
During both embryonic development and postnatal hair cycling, the decision guiding cells towards the hair pathway involves crucial interactions between epithelial and mesenchymal cells. Intriguingly, similar signals seem to operate not only in hair development, but also in the context of nails, mammary glands, and teeth. Throughout embryonic skin and appendage development, WNT and bone morphogenetic pathway signaling are central to normal morphogenesis. Disruption of genes such as LEF1, beta-catenin, sonic hedgehog, and inhibitors of the bone morphogenetic pathway, like noggin, results in a decrease, loss, or impairment of hair follicle development. If I grasp it correctly, cell signaling holds a pivotal role in determining the fate of stem cells. So, what's the key aspect in determining epithelial stem cell fate through the WNT pathway? WNT signaling functions via a vast family of soluble WNT morphogens, which interact with specific receptors known as frizzles. This interaction subsequently activates beta-catenin, a dual-function protein pivotal in cell adhesion and signaling. A WNT signal hinders beta-catenin degradation, causing its accumulation beyond the threshold needed for adherence junctions. This accumulated beta-catenin can bind to members of the left-slash-TCF family of high-mobility group DNA-binding proteins. Together, they influence the transcriptional expression of downstream target genes. A truncated, constitutively active form of beta-catenin is highly expressed in the outer root sheath of the basal layer, leading to skin excess and the initiation of new hair follicle buds in postnatal skin. To conclude, WNT signaling might prompt adult stem cells to adopt a state closer to their embryonic counterparts. Alternatively, WNT signaling plays a major role in determining the follicle fate of relatively undifferentiated cells. You've provided a clear explanation. So, which members of the left-slash-TCF family are instrumental in skin function? Two members of the TCF-slash-LEF1 family are strategically expressed in the adult hair follicle. LEF1 is found in the matrix, precortex, and dermal papilla, whereas TCF3 is located in the bulge and outer root sheath of the skin epithelium. Let's start by discussing TCF3. According to mRNA profiling, TCF3 mRNA is preferentially upregulated in bulge label retaining cells, indicating that this regulation occurs at the gene expression level. The presence of TCF3 in the bulge is intriguing, especially considering that a related protein, TCF4, is present in intestinal stem cell compartments or crypts, where it appears to be involved in stem cell maintenance. In vitro, TCF3 acts as a repressor in the absence of WNT signaling but can transform into an activator when WNT signaling is present. In vivo, expressing a transgene in the form of TCF3 repressor leads to cell death in skin stem cells and transit amplifying cells. Additionally, basal cells of the epidermis acquire characteristics of the outer root sheath. To summarize, TCF3 in the bulge functions as a repressor. One of the target genes identified for TCF3 in the skin is CMIC. Overexpression of CMIC in transgenic mice results in hyperproliferation, leading to depletion of the skin stem cell compartment. I understand. What about LEF1 expressed in the matrix? 
LEF1 is more strongly accumulated in the nuclei of precortical cells. A set of hair-specific keratin genes is expressed in the progenitor cells of the hair shaft precortex. These genes contain LEF1 binding sites in their promoters. The precortex region also shows nuclear beta-catenin expression and expresses a WNT-responsive reporter gene. This suggests that these cells might receive WNT signaling. Additionally, during antigen, WNT expression is observed in this region of the hair follicle. Interestingly, when a dominant negative form of LEF1 is expressed in hair precursor cells in transgenic mice, it leads to the generation of sebaceous gland cells. In contrast, loss of beta-catenin results in the generation of epidermal cells at the expense of hair differentiation. Moreover, the transcription factor GATA3 is crucial for inner root sheath differentiation. Strangely, both LEF1 and GATA3 are implicated in hematopoietic stem cell lineage determination. So, while WNTS are vital for stabilizing beta-catenin, TCF-slash-LEF factors need to be present for a WNT response, correct? How does WNT signaling connect with the bone morphogenic pathway signaling? Exactly. Remember Noggin that I mentioned earlier? It's an inhibitor of the bone morphogenic pathway. Interestingly, it induces LEF1 expression in keratinocytes in vitro, a finding corroborated in both keratinocytes and skin epithelium. When these cells are treated with WNT3A, they influence the transcription of WNT-responsive reporter genes. In most cases, this combination leads to transactivation. However, there's an oddity, e-cadherin promoter seems to be down-regulated by these factors. In vivo, down-regulation of the e-cadherin promoter coincides with the induction of hair placodes during embryogenesis and secondary hair germs during hair follicle cycling. Conversely, transgenic upregulation of e-cadherin hinders hair follicle morphogenesis. In essence, the activation of WNT signaling and inhibition of bone morphogenic pathway signaling cooperate to sustain WNT responsiveness in skin epithelial cells. Additionally, through e-cadherin downregulation, cells can undergo epithelial cell-cell remodeling, a process essential for hair follicle morphogenesis. Furthermore, these findings suggest that adult and embryonic stem cells might utilize similar signals to govern their differentiation. Thank you for the clarification. Is there any other noteworthy aspect of the WNT signaling pathway? Indeed, there's another intriguing facet of the WNT signaling pathway. When constitutively activated, it leads to elevated tissue progenitor cell levels in the skin, brain, and intestine. Additionally, purified WNTS stimulate the proliferation of isolated hematopoietic stem cells in culture. Furthermore, after skeletal muscle injury, WNTS appear to mobilize resident stem cells during the regeneration process. In conclusion, the WNT signaling pathway plays a role in the self-renewal of stem cells or the transit amplifying progeny. Consistently, the growth-restricted environment of the bulge is associated with upregulated mRNAs typically linked to WNT repression. Understood. Regardless, research has started to unveil the signaling mechanisms controlling the fate of these cells in mouse skin. 
Based on these extensive findings, future studies will likely investigate whether this intriguing correlation holds functional significance. Thank you for sharing your valuable insights. I believe we'll conclude here for today. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. The same to you.